right, hello, 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 and welcome to the Circuit Clouts Podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball. I am Lance Mueller, and I am here with the usual suspects, Glenn Reed. Yo, yo, yo. Charlie Qualls. Uh, insert smart-ass comment here. All right, there he is. Beautiful, Charlie. And safely ensconced in his, uh, or embedded, or uh, bunkered in his... Uh, <laughs> New home in Colorado. The Kamish is back. Timothy Smith, welcome back. Good to be here. I actually am in bed. How'd you know? Uh, you know. I mean, you're you're turned off on the Skype, but I just you have that sound in your voice. Yeah, exactly. All right. So it is time for the highly anticipated season preview for 1979. Like previous previews, we are going to split this into two podcasts. We're going to look at the East in one podcast, the West. And another, um, unlike previous seasons, uh, we are not going to uh, reveal this group's predictions of how we think people are going to finish. Instead, we're going to look at the in-game predictions and just sort of um, give our reactions uh, where we think uh, we maybe the game got it wrong, where we may agree, and just give some general thoughts about that. But before we jump into that, we're going to take a few minutes and look at the free agent signings and the free agent action in this last offseason and just uh, also give some thoughts, some reactions on how we thought that went, who we thought maybe the winner of free agency was, who maybe some missed opportunities for people. Um, so to kick us off with that, the commish. So, Tim, what are your thoughts on how free agency went uh, in the offseason? Yeah, well, uh, I'm just looking through uh, in, in total UL and, one, and just the sheer number of agents that signings. It looks, like, it looks like we had 101, which I think... Looks like an all-time high. We only had 55 a couple of years ago, 53 the year before that. So it seems like a, there were a lot more signings this year. I don't know if that speaks to the quality of the FA class. I think that's part of it because there were a, a whole bunch of signings, um, uh, you know, over over a million. Um, but in general, I think um, I think some teams made some big improvements. Through FA this year, maybe more so than in in, in previous years. Um, I have I have to say Manhattan uh, did came out the best. They've got Tory, Ollie Brown, and Reggie Smith. I think all three of those guys are in the starting lineup. Um, Ollie Brown maybe not, but and then picking up Frank Reberger um, from from Cleveland that was a huge. Uh, a huge pickup because because he, he he did lose uh, Bert Hooten, so I think overall I'd have to say Manhattan did a, did a great job uh, in in FA. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. I mean, if I'm going to pick a winner, I got to think that Manhattan uh, certainly sort of did the best for themselves as far as. Um, again, at, you, you mentioned everybody that he added. I mean, getting Tory is a big, big deal. I mean, obviously, to, to put that into an already very scary offensive lineup, to, to be able to bring in Reberger to sort of help out with the rotation. And, you know, we'll see what Reggie Smith does. I mean, he had one really bad year in Chicago and one really good year in Chicago, so it'll be interesting to see what he does in Manhattan, which obviously is a more offensive ballpark, so that will probably will help him, although his contact is down to being a four now. And then, yeah, to, to go out and to – you know, to basically burn Ollie Brown and then be able to bring him back, you know, his offense just gets better. And I think it gives him an opportunity to 
you know, maybe retake the Eastern crown with all those sort of parts. Like, I think it's going to be tied directly to whether or not Tory, you know, plays the whole season or if he gets hurt at any point and has to be shelved for a long time. And he, what else? Who else got thoughts? Charlie, what do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, obviously the, the Tory thing is huge, but that that's a huge risk on that guy too. He's one hip broken hip away from, you know, messing everything up. Uh, Reberger, I like, but we've never seen him pitch outside of Cleveland, really. And a couple times he has, he hasn't fared so well. So I don't know. I think that's it, it's a it's a good value on that guy. Who else? He, he got Carbo, right? Carbo looks pretty sweet. So yeah, I'd say overall he won the the free agent. But again, if Tory goes down, I mean that's the, that's the risk you take with a 38 year old guy or whatever, however old he is. What about you, Gunn? Got thoughts on uh, I mean, who was a winner? Well, yeah, yeah, I think every team, well, maybe not every team. A lot of teams had specific things they were trying to do. Brooklyn needed pitching, right? Denver needed some help. Uh, Seattle needed offense. So, And I, I think generally people did what they set out to do, right? So, I mean, Detroit's a great example. The guy added Luke Walker. That's a legitimate lefty starting pitcher that he needed for his park. Well done there, right? Yeah. Uh, Denver, I mean, the guy, uh, obviously, Tory was the big prize, so I don't dispute anything you've said. But to me, Denver, Greg Luzinski, Bernie Allen, Toby Hara, Elliot Maddox, like every one of those guys is either a legitimate starter or a very good bench player, right? So I think Denver got much better, um, or at least got help at some different positions, right? Um, and again, the guys who like Brooklyn, he needed SPs. He got Nolan Ryan and Selma to help his pen. So I think it was a really good productive off season for a lot of teams. And, and to your thing about the why is it the most ever, well, we spent so much time during the season talking about finances and trying to repair finances and turning down free agent costs. I think everybody just cut like, <laughs> you know, massively cut payroll going into free agency. And yeah. so, that meant there were a lot of players available and that meant there was a lot of money available. Right. And people just, again, yeah, I think yeah. by and large, everybody took care of business, I would say. So, yeah, I, think I, I, yeah I totally, I, I totally agree with that. I think if we went through and, and gave like letter grades to all the teams or whatever, like we've done in some past things, like I think you're exactly right. Like everyone did really, really well. Like Atlanta, uh, you know, uh, Alan Foster, Joe Coleman, Danny Coombs, Rich yeah, Falk, right, addressing yeah. addressing the pitching need. Um, St. Louis getting going out and getting Burt Hooten and Sparky Lyle and Tomlin. So, um, yeah, I think everyone, uh, almost every team participated except L.A. It was it was always LA, you know Vase is always like down to the last penny in his payroll cap, so he he's always squeezing out. Um, you know, I was joking with him. This is like the fifth year in a row that he's had to cut one guy on the day before opening day to just squeeze under the cap. So, you know, he's doing everything he can to maximize his cap space, but, but yeah, everyone else was, um, I, I think it's gonna, uh, you know, and, and we'll get into this, when we get into the, in the preview. It looks like, you know, every team, every team seems to be addressing their weaknesses and that might portend, you know, a general movement towards, more parity in the league and uh, to, to one of Glenn's points I, I, it just occurred to me one of the reasons that there might be so many players signed is uh, we had that brief receivership we had with Atlanta and, and Washington where there was a lot of dead wood on those teams and I think both those teams ended up cutting 
15, maybe 20 guys, and then they all popped up in, in the FA pool. So, um, And if I could comment here on my own team, Denver. So, yeah, I was super thrilled with this is for me it was the most successful fa i've had in in years i feel like i like basically signed my entire bench right like alan hara uh maddox dick allen all these guys some of them might start as platoons or whatever but um i'm super excited to get all those guys so for for denver personally it was um and i didn't spend a ton of money either so that, that was the other exciting part Dude, I, I think Luzinski, again, I think I agree. I'm not disputing Manhattan scored, but I actually think Denver did the best money for money because Luzinski for 17, you know, for uh, 1.7 million, Luzinski is a seven power guy who's seven contact, seven power, right? So it's not as if he's like just a one trick pony, like contrast with Dave Kingman say, right? Great power, but... You know, you always feel, hold your breath when you start him because he might hit 150. But Luzinski has only had like one full major league season and he played in the extreme pitchers park and he put up like 800, 850 OPS. Like that's awesome. And now put him in Denver. So to me, that I think that was the best value signing. And I, yeah, anyway, so well done, Tim. Yeah. Well, if I had to pat myself on the back just a little bit, um, I think, <laughs> which I, you know, it's hard for me to do at my age, but I try the best I can. Um, you know, I think picking up Dave Cash, who's just a super, super solid second baseman for 750K. <laughs> less than a million. Less than a million dollars. The guy who's hit over 300 the last five seasons in a row. It's like I thought, you know, it was a, a nice little scoop to add and allowed me to make the trade and send, you know, Lansford to, to Cleveland. So, you know, and then, you know, adding Joe Rudy tried. I mean, that was the whole thing, which like try to get just a little bit more power. So getting Joe Rudy and then making the deal to get D.W. Roberts from Los Angeles, just try to add some power around. And then, you know, Glenn proved that uh, the Dan McGinn could be a solid starting pitcher. So, you know, Holtzman was gone, but being able to grab McGinn and put him in that rotation, it doesn't feel like going to lost too much, uh, you know, in that in the rotation. So I was happy with the two. And again, not like like. Like Tim said, not spending a whole ton of money to do it, trying to keep some cap space there so I don't, you know, because I had some other plans, which I'm going to make myself bankrupt next season. So, you know, um, any anything else? Any other, like, like scoops? Anybody think anybody's a scoop or any surprise pickups or anything like that? We were touching on Holtzman, and that, that was a big, the biggest uh, swoop from the draft. Uh, what do we feel about that guy, where he landed, and why? Uh, I mean, that's a, a lot of money to pay that guy. I mean, I get it. I mean, I guess, in theory, based on his track record, he's worth $11 million. Um, I, I feel like the GM, the new GM in Washington may not have been uh, totally clear that we had an auction round after that where you can kind of just bid whatever you want to get a guy. I think, I think Holtzman probably would have made it to that round, and he probably could have paid – less than the $11 million, but then he would only been getting him for one season. And, you know, anybody who's had him knows that trying to negotiate with that guy past one season is like insane. He wants so, so much money that it probably would have been a one season signing, but you know, but I mean, it definitely makes the top of that rotation a little scarier. Now when you get Vita blue followed by Holtzman or Holtzman followed by Vita blue, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a better pitching rotation now, but so it's a lot to invest in that guy for a team that, in my opinion, probably is not going to be able to compete with the upper echelon teams in the East. But it definitely makes it a, makes him a better team. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, we can talk about when we get to Washington more, but I mean, I, I just say that it is hard being a new guy in a new league and you don't know, like, like you don't know how good is your team, right? And like, oh, look, here's the best pitcher, <laughs> the best player available yeah. in free agency. Nobody else wants Right. And I mean, like, I can get this guy. He fits under my cap. So I totally get it, right? Like, I totally get how that happens. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but like you said, contrast with McGinn. McGinn, two million a year, twenty rated lefty starter, same age. So, is that extra point worth eight million a year? I mean, I don't know. That's that's. Yeah, I mean, and it might might be worthwhile to back up here and and give a really brief thumbnail history of Washington. So, for some of the new guys, um, so. Atlanta and Washington were both teams that had pretty much inactive or non-existent managers for the last at least one season in, in one case and, and two seasons in the case of Washington. So there was a brief period where Atlanta and Washington basically fell under league control. And there were like kind of committees running those teams and both those, we call them receiverships and both those receiverships um, ended up cutting a lot of dead wood on those teams. Like we mentioned, like 15 to 20 players. So that created a, ton of cap space and it allowed the new GMs, uh, Michael and, and Bill to come in. It, it allowed them more flexibility to kind of like mold the team the way, the way they wanted, which I think was one of the goals for the receiverships is like, okay, let's get rid of these kind of like dead weight, useless players who are in their thirties and, you know, create some more flexibility. So um, to his credit, I think, I, I know. I, I, arguably, I think Washington is probably better off now than they were, at, you know, at the end of last season. And they've got because um, uh, they because they've uh, you know cut cut a lot of those older older players. Um, and I believe they're still uh, they still have some cap space too. So um, you know, so part of it was fixing the finances as well. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they're an outside chance at a contender just because Manhattan's on a precipice. And like we said, if Tory goes down, anything's possible, right? So I don't know. Maybe they have one last shot for some glory. Bill got a fairly decent offense going. So, oh, maybe this works out. All right. Let's move on to uh, preseason predictions for the East Division. Again, we're going to look at the in-game predictions and sort of react to that and uh, see uh, how we feel if our if our thoughts line up with uh, what the game says is going to happen. The game is predicting that Cleveland will end up in the basement in the East. Um, let's go to Charlie for his reaction on that. Charlie, how, how are you feeling about that? I, I'm not feeling it. I'm, listen, I'm trying to be objective as I can. Obviously, the pitching is, is a huge question mark. Uh, but I've got 20 young starters ready to, to do to make some noise, and everybody's going to be on a short leash. If, if you don't work out in a couple of weeks, you're going to sit and we're going to try somebody else. So that's the goal this year is just find a few, like maybe three starters who, who can fill out the bottom of the rotation and then through free agency or trading try and get some aces in there. So I, I think... I think that I still finish ahead of Detroit. I know they look tough, but I think I'm still going to finish ahead of them. Um, we've got a fast team. We've got guys who, with a little more experience now, they've been playing together for a year. There's speed everywhere. 
There's defense everywhere. We're gonna. I'm pushing the the button on hit and run. So we're not gonna we're not gonna outslug anybody. Literally nobody. We're not gonna outslug. But that's not our plan. We're just gonna run you ragged. We're gonna get on base. We're gonna move. You know, doesn't matter what what stadium we're playing. The bases are 90 feet apart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Here's the thing, though, Jack. Like you can't. You can only. <laughs> you can only do a hit and run if if there's a guy on base, right? So I, I think that's your, the biggest problem. And yeah. You're, yeah, you're gonna speed everywhere, but most of your speed is gonna be sitting on the bench because you guys, uh, you have the second lowest OBP in the yeah. league, right? So yeah, when when you guys do get on base, you know, two or three times a game, then yeah, they'll be running like crazy. But you know, yeah, no, you know, I think that's definitely an issue. The OBP is gonna be, I think it's gonna be a little better than last year. Um, I think guys are ready to bust out. Lansford's gonna have a better year. Uh, I think Whitaker has to have a better season. Um, Parrish was blew up at the end of last year. Plus, I think he got upgrades. Parrish is a he's a monster. Like I, I did not in my mind. I'm still thinking of him. Uh, you know, in his uh, in se- just in '77, he was four six five, and now he's seven eight five. So yeah, that yeah. I, 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 I'm just giving you a hard time, but I, I do think you're. Your offense will definitely improve. But that's the idea. Just put the ball in play and make something happen. And yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna set any records this year. But I think it's gonna be a much improved team. Um, we're gonna find some some pitching somewhere. So I don't. Know. I think we're I think we're gonna have, finish ahead of Detroit. Maybe not by much. So Lance uh, Lance uh, Glenn, what do you guys think? You guys agree with Charlie? Do you think he, he do you think Cleveland uh, can avoid the seller? Well, um, I'll just say this to start with. Uh, as far as the East goes, my very rudimentary predictions line up pretty much with what the game has, except for at the top, but we can cut to talk about that when we get to it. Yeah, I think that the pitching staff just still isn't good enough yet. And I mean, again, it's like if Charlie makes trades and he gets a better pitching, I think that's a that's a different thing. I think the pitching staff, I don't think the bullpen is particularly strong. You're relying on a lot of arms in there that I think still haven't necessarily proven themselves. And I think there's still a couple of guys in the lineup. There's a few guys in the lineup that still need to mature a little bit more to, to really be impact, impact players. So I think, and I think Detroit has done enough to to improve their starting pitching, which was just horrendous last season. I think he's picked up enough pieces to be to have a starting pitching and as is he's got his stars who are capable already and then he's adding Ricky to that mix who still is not as good as he's gonna be, but still is gonna add a dimension that he's not had before. I think I think that that it's gonna give Detroit the opportunity to to I think finish ahead of Cleveland at towards the bottom of, of the East Division. Glenn, what do you think? Uh, well, so number one, I should say, other than reading this thing, I avoided all the prediction stuff because I wanted to do my ratings count and yeah. I didn't want to do this. So I did see the predicted order of finish once I went to the uh, Circuit Clouds website, which, by the way, is awesome. And Charlie, dude, that you're right up on 79 or whatever. <laughs> that was amazing, dude. And, uh, and Tim, dude, again, thank you for all the effort you put into that. I think the write-ups were really, really good. Um, so so I see that as Cleveland the bottom. So I don't know what the predicted records are, but I, I will just say by ratings count, Cleveland, dude, they're the worst team in the league. 
Now, that's what I like to hear. But dude, here's that's the problem. What said last year. Here's the problem. I agree. I agree. But here's the problem. There's nobody within 30 points. You're, you're 30 points behind Detroit by my ratings count. So your comparable is, uh, well, Washington is close. They're only 15 back. But but that was, you know, he signed uh, he signed Holtzman. He signed Vita Blue. He still has, like, some real studs in the lineup. So, so to me, I don't see how you get anywhere close to being out of the basement. But again, I don't, is that bad? Because, but is that bad? You're, you want Fernando Valenzuela. You're, I have you pegged for Fernando Valenzuela, right? No, I don't, he's going to St. Louis or Atlanta, but we'll get to the. the... <laughs> oh, dude, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. So the, the other thing I'll just throw in here is I was just looking at um, the uh, finances of cap space. Cleveland has the most cap space available. So they've got 13.7 million. So that gives them a ton of flexibility. Number one, it's going to help them if, if Charlie chooses not to spend any more, then he's going to have, he's going to set them up for great finances for the next several years, right? Because of the way the the salary caps work. Um, but if he if 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 he gets into the season and he's like his team's doing better than expected, he can go out and spend a little money and you know upgrade the pitching and maybe he ends up. Uh, you know, it, I, I think it's not it's not inconceivable that if if say Terry Poole catches and Ozzy Smith are, are both close to 400 OBP and you got Parrish and Cooper and he, he does find the two or three starters he's looking for. Maybe he goes out and splashes some cash on some FA and maybe this team makes a run at 500 or it, maybe even a little above. It's it's not it's not impossible. So. All right, uh, so moving on. So uh, the in-game is saying that, uh, and this is part of the debate we were just having, that Detroit is going to finish in sixth place. Uh, thoughts on that prediction? Obviously, Charlie, you think that uh, you're going to finish ahead of him, so you, you, I would assume you're thinking that Detroit's going to be in the basement. Uh, not by much, that's the thing. This, is, this team is way better, and just based on his defense alone, they're going to be, you know, with Tremel and, and Hoffman, or what's his name, up the middle. Uh, they're going to prevent a couple hundred runs that way. But I think they just have too many growing pains. You know, they're counting on some some free agent guys and the pitching. You know, they, they just still have a lot of growing to do, and that's going to be hard to. Uh, but again, this is the team I hope to be competing for top in the next few years, right? Hopefully, right. we swap. Manhattan and Boston, that's the plan. But I just this year, I think they just got a little. They're still trying to find their footing. Got a brand new lineup, completely different than what he had last year. You just don't know what you're going to get. You know that the uh, the offense or the, the the defense in the outfield gets a little rough sometimes. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. Uh, it's going to be tight to see who gets the bottom. But I think I eke it out. Yeah, I, I think that yeah, I think I feel like Sean has added enough pieces. He's he's made the pitching staff uh, better. It's not very good, but it's better than it has been. And I think he's going to pick up some more wins. And you know, there's just a there's enough scary pieces in that line. I mean, he already had Horner. He already had Page. He's adding Ricky. I mean, you know. Downing's not bad. Garvey had a good year last year. I mean, it's an offense that, you know, if, if they can put it together, I think is going to score enough runs and there's going to be enough 
pitching to to eke out some wins that he didn't get before that I think it's going to allow him to to climb up the standings a little bit. It's not going to be much. There's like that pitching staff needs to be completely overhauled. I know he made some efforts to to add some guys who were quality, but like he needs to, he needs to get some stars and some studs and then once he does that, that team's going to be really really scary, but it's like you said, I think it's it's a it's a two year down, two two season, three season down the line thing where you know Detroit and Cleveland are going to be really competitive for the top of the East Division. But right now, I think it's he's hovering uh, towards the bottom, towards the cellar. But I think he's doing a little bit better than he has uh, in past seasons. Here's here's the thing you uh, you you can't have the first overall pick three years in a row and keep losing a hundred games a year. Right, I mean, and and look at the guys he's taken, uh, Mitchell Page, uh, rookie of the year, right? Thirty home runs, you know, two years running, picks up Bob Horner last year, first overall pick, rookie of the year, forty-four home runs. He's got Ricky Henderson this year. This guy's probably going to hit close to three hundred. He'll have like, you know, he's not going to be great. He's not fully developed, but he's still going to have be like a three fifty OBP guy. They're going to score a lot more runs than they have. And last year they were tenth in runs and i just think if they move up to say seventh or sixth in runs even if their pitching is still the worst in the league that's going to bump them up from 48 to like 60 or 65 wins i you know i think uh i i do see detroit and cleveland are clearly the bottom two um but they're i think they're both improving also so i think i think charlie's right it's going to be interesting i think it'll be it could be a tight race for the for the bottom, but I mean, the exciting thing is that both these teams are on the way up. So yeah, he's got so much. He's got his his sixth best outfielder is is a starter on most teams. You know what I mean? So he's got some parts to swap out, especially in the outfield. Problem is nobody is everybody's hanging on to their pitching right now. Nobody's trading pitching, so that's we might have to wait till the off season to make deals. Oh, yeah, dude, this team is radically, I mean, radically better than last year. He had guys I've never heard of pitch last year. And I don't mean pitch like one game. I mean pitch like 80 innings, 140 innings. He, his team was horrific. And they are now, I have him in the middle. No shit. I have him in the middle of the pack pitching-wise. Eighth on a ratings count, he's eighth pitching-wise. So there's no way. I mean, I, I would be shocked. I mean, shocked if he's not 20, 25, even 30 games better. And 30 games better takes you from 48 to 78. That gets you to 500. Right. And, and again, I go back to I've rebuilt so many frigging teams. Most of the time, you go from the worst to the middle to the first. Like, that's the step. You have to go through a step progression, usually. I mean, in this league, we do have some teams who – who go from worst to first? We ha- it has happened before. Detroit '75 went from uh, you know worst to first and back to worst again, right? So, so it is possible to make the jump the whole way, but in general, if you're trying to build a sustainable deal, and that's what he's doing with draft picks and being sensible with his money and building over time, um, I think you go from 48 wins to 78 wins, and then you see what you do the next year. So, um, so I, I again, I would say you're in the 70, 75 win zone comfortably. And, and again, it's not just and not just as pitchers. So let's just talk about this for briefly. 
there's different models you can use, right? And, and like the ultimate expression of the hitting team is obviously Manhattan. But Detroit is using that model. Every guy he's drafted is just a pure slugging stud, right? And, but you don't need, so if you have a really mashing lineup, your starters don't need to be that good. And I, again, I, like I said, I just I did the count here and I'm looking again just to make sure I'm not off anywhere. Everybody he has is 19 or better. Well, Pastore, 18. I mean, <laughs> that's quite quite serviceable. And again, I would say all you need to do is be league average. League average uh, pitching, if you can be you know, in the top two or three scoring, and I think he will be. Now look here, his closer, Tippy Martinez, is adds to 23. He's one of the best closers in the league. So what else did he do to help his pin? He added Neil Allen from the draft. That guy adds to 20. He signed Jim Ray, 19. Hamilton, 19. Hume, 19, 18. So he has completely revamped his team. So, and I'll just say quickly, forecasting is hard because you tend to think of what happened before and then project that forward. And it's hard to make that break. But I think you have to totally forget everything about this team from last year because this is a radically, radically different team. Okay, rant over. <laughs> well, do, then, but do you agree that it that he's a sixth place team or is he higher? I don't know. You don't know. Well, I don't know. I didn't. I, I mean, oh, in the wet or in the east? Sorry. Okay, so thank you. I by ratings count, I have Cleveland, Washington, and then Detroit is okay. the next. And so, um, so yeah. there's quite a few good teams in the east by my yeah. assessment. Okay. So, so, so that's, his that's the other point is everybody has gotten better. Yes. It's not yeah. that shocking if, if they don't finish, you know. Yeah, me and uh, Detroit, we're going to take our share of the losses. But everybody has improved, it seems like. So it's going to be just that much tougher for everybody. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And those wins have to come from somewhere. So that's a good point, and we can talk about that when we get to the other end, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's a good segue to uh, our next team, which is Washington, which the game picked to finish fifth, and we already talked a bit about them with the big signing of Holtzman. So, um, so why don't we start with Glenn, since you mentioned you have Washington uh, coming in sixth, then right by your ratings. Yes, that's right by by ratings count. Yeah. I mean, again, this is a really, really interesting case. Brand new GM. So I, I've been in this guy's shoes so many times. You, you don't know what you got. He's got blue. He's got, he went out and signed Holtzman. That's, that's legitimately two stud starters. Comer is, is good, right? So that's, I don't think his team can be horrible. His team can't be horrible because he has those guys. So, again, if you're just comparing side-by-side side with Cleveland, right, like you might say, well, the lineup isn't really that different, right? But his starters are radically better. So, um, and so I think that's where your big difference is. Um, like again, in the division, that's the reason why I can't see him finishing, you know, towards the bottom of the division. And that's why I see him finishing behind. Though I, again, I would have him finishing behind Detroit. Um, Cause if you look at his lineup, let's see where I have his lineup. I have his lineup next to last. And so, like I say, he has he has Amos Otis, who is a phenomenal center fielder. And I think some kind of adjustment I need to make for superstar players at premium positions um, because the raw ratings count is interesting and it's instructive. But I think it does break down in certain areas and we can talk about where it breaks down. But maybe one weakness is it just treats every rating the same. But, 
you know, you can't call Al Oliver 755, you know, the same as, say, a first baseman who's a 755. So, or sorry, Amos Otis. And then he has Al Oliver also who can rake. So he has a few guys who can mash, but the rest of his lineup is really quite poor. So for that reason, I mean, I, again, I can't, I don't, I don't know what the game prediction is for records, but um, by cardinal rank, I would say, you know, Cleveland has to be seven and Washington has to be six. Um, so that's my assessment. Again, mostly because they're, even with Holtzman, because I just think their lineup is yeah. so poor. And the back end of their rotation is so poor. Um, and his bullpen, his bullpen is not good. Let's see my bullpen score for them. Watch yeah, the game, the game has a 70, 75 and 81. Which yeah, would be, I, can't, I can't believe that. Which would be a one-game a one improvement over last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I can't so. believe that. Because again, so back to Charlie's argument, the wins have to come from somewhere. If every other team has gotten better, if every other team has gotten better, then somebody has to be worse. And I don't see how Washington, you know, is is better than they were last year, even with Holtzman, right? Because again, they had what's his name Walker last year, who's not as good as Holtzman, but he's still pretty damn good, right? Oh, and they've lost some key guys too, uh, Blomberg yeah. and uh, Champ Summers. I mean, yeah. Champ, Champ Summers is talk about underrated guys. This guy. Uh, I think he's he's batting cleanup for Seattle, right? Is that did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, he's a cleanup hitter for Seattle now. So this is a team that's lost a lot of good players the last yes. few years, um, and and you know if nothing else, hopefully that hemorrhaging is stopped and they and they start uh, you know retaining some of their guys and building up some of their um, some uh, some prospects and, and oh yeah, and can we say maybe this isn't the right place or maybe it is, but his draft was. Excellent. I thought this guy's draft was one might be the best draft going. We'll get to that. Right. We'll get to okay. that. That'll be in the, that'll be in the next one. But yeah. yeah, that's why I thought this was team. This team was primed for a teardown. Just trade all those big pieces and you know and, and just get every young guy you can get your hands on. So it's like you said though, it's a new manager. You don't know what you got. You want to see what you're playing with first. But it felt like this team was going to be uh, just tear down and lose for a couple seasons, you know, like Detroit, just grab a couple first rounders and then let your Gibsons and Hoyts and Tudors mature and get there. So it's going to be a tough year, I think. Lance, your thoughts on, on the monuments? Yeah, I mean, I, I I had them in the same place that the game had them coming in fifth place. I think, uh, you know... The rotation seems like it can compete, at least in the top part of it, you know, with Blue and Comer and adding Holtzman. But, yeah, the the bullpen's not that great. I mean, you got Enrique Romo as your closer, which is, you know, compared look at the looking across the rest of the league, he doesn't make him look that good. He lost some key pieces in uh, either trades or in the free agency. And I, it just doesn't seem like there's enough here to propel again to the top of a division that's I think going to be real tough uh, one two three in this division so to uh, reiterate, reiterate what Charlie was saying I think a lot of us thought to look at this team as, as really on the precipice of being on a tear down but you know again he's he's putting some pieces in there and he's going to see what he gets out of it but I, I don't see much more than a, a, a fifth or fourth place finish for this team. You know, I'll just jump in here. Mention you mentioned his bullpen. I should we should note that uh, his best closer, Milt Wilcox, is on 
is going to miss the first four, basically two thirds of the season. Though he's he's out on injury, but this is a guy who led the league in saves just two seasons ago with 35 saves, 1.77 ERA. Um, it does his ratings still look pretty decent. He's only 27, so uh, when he does get Wilcox back, I mean, this is a guy. Even if he does do a teardown, I I could see Wilcox is one of the guys that he he, he ends up keeping and kind of building around. Those are our thoughts on Washington. So uh, next up would be fourth place, and the game is predicting that uh, Montreal is going to finish in fourth, which is, I believe, where they finished last year. Um, Charlie, you have any thoughts on uh, on that prediction for Montreal, sort of dead in the middle where they kind of were uh, in the last, the last season? Uh, I think this is one of those teams that got a little bit better. Uh, the, the pitching still looks a little uh, middle of the middle of the pack for me, but uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this. Team. What has Glenn got? Glenn, what do you got? Yeah, what what's your numbers telling you about Montreal? So okay, so you know Montreal. I mean, we just talked about if you remember the farm episode we did. I mean, we talked about like almost their entire team or all their starters, essentially all their relevant guys are like under 25. So he is in a really good, solid long-term position, but short-term it's tough because he's in a very tough division and the pitching isn't as good. I mean, so if I look at by rating score, his lineup is the fourth best in the league. That's that's no joke. And again, it's powered a lot by having Gary Carter, who's a great player, right, at catcher. You know, he has Gritch. Um, he's got a lot of studs. And the other thing we should mention, again, maybe we can talk about this when we get to the draft, is he, he drafted Castino, who everybody, I think, liked. And that dude, Castino, immediately got an upgrade. So now he's like the best or one of the best second basemen or third baseman in the league, and this guy has nowhere to play him. So maybe there's a trade to be made there. Um, so so there's another <laughs> LA. Yeah, exactly. There's another positive for his lineup, right? So so again, his lineup is quite good, I think. But um, I think as Charlie just said, basically, you know, where this guy has problems is his starters. And and again, his bullpen is awesome. And he invested draft picks in his bullpen. Castro and Grief, he drafted clear. Um, the Foucault guy, if you like Michel Foucault, right? He's so he's got. I mean, his bullpen is really good, and he has Hraboski coming back from injury. I mean, dude, this guy. There's so many things to like about this team, but the starters just aren't as good. You know, 17, 18, 19, 19, and 17. That's that's not really doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. But again, I think they're a really good team over time. It's just Kenny Snagan. He's one of those teams, right? Can I get enough starters to be? competitive yeah i think i'd have to agree with that i mean i think it's it's all it all comes down to sort of that rotation i think if he had a couple of more studly starting pitchers in there i think this would be a team that we might be talking about um, making a run at a playoff spot perhaps and we'll just say right here the game uh, in its predictions has three teams coming out of the east making the playoffs and only one coming out of the west um, and so, you know, I think with maybe slightly better starting pitching, you, you might see Montreal making a push for that number three spot, which right now the game is saying is going to be Brooklyn. So, yeah, I got to agree with uh, everything that Glenn is saying. Tim, uh, any thoughts on Montreal? 
you know, what, basically, I think what we're all saying is they're pretty much a 500 team, which is kind of what they've been um, for last year. Um, and uh, I think their pathway to making that leap to contention is there's two things. Uh, we just mentioned Castino, right, who is arguably the one of the best second baseman slash third baseman who's not starting for a team right now. Huge, enormous trade value for that guy. And then he's got like $12 million in cap space. Uses some of his cash maybe to go after some big name guys. Maybe he he could add two big name pitchers to this team at the start at the top of the rotation, and that would change everything. Agreed. And one more thing I could say just about the rating score quickly. Sorry. Montreal and Brooklyn, I have almost the same. I have one point separating them. So, again, it's hard to say. Like, how can you say Brooklyn is definitively better than than this team, right? At least by, on a ratings basis, there's essentially no difference. Yeah, well, the game, that's a good segue because the game definitively does say that Mon Brooklyn is eight games better than Montreal uh, and in the top three in the division and, in fact, in the playoff zone. So that's actually a good segue to our next team, uh, Brooklyn, which the game has pegged to finish in third. So they were, Brooklyn was 80 and 76 both of the last two seasons. The game uh, prediction has them winning 86 games this year and grabbing the fourth playoff spot. So who, who agrees that Brooklyn is a top-four team in the league right now? Well, I mean, I think Brooklyn – I had Brooklyn to finish third in the East. I don't know if they're a top-four team in the in the league overall. I think I, – I, the one thing I would disagree with with the in-game predictions is, is this three-and-one thing. I think there's going to be at least two teams coming out of the West to make the playoffs. So I don't think Brooklyn is a top-four team. I think they're eh, a top-five or six team probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a sneaky team because they're going to get on base a lot, and their pitching is is right up there. Uh, yeah, this is a sneaky team, but I don't I don't see them in the playoffs either. Yeah, I mean that I mean the first five of that lineup. I mean you know I mean Fred Lynn, Ken Singleton, Keith Hernandez, Mike Schmidt, Lee Mazzilli. I mean that's a nice top of your batting order. Um, uh, you know, Rick Roden, Seaver, and get picked up Nolan Ryan in free agency. It'll be interesting to see how Nolan pitches in Brooklyn. Um, and obviously, you know, Sambito, who we've all sort of talked about and, and thrown praise on the last couple of seasons um, as his closer. Um, but I just don't know that there's, again, enough pieces here to certainly uh, put himself in one or two one or two position in the East. And I, I think he's just on the outside of, of being in the playoffs, um, you know, unless everything just absolutely positively clicks. So yeah, it's close, but I think no cigar right now. Yeah. I think he's got to have, he's got Rick Roden as his ace and he's 24 years old. He's six, six, eight. Um, you know, again, if you're looking at pathways, how does this team get to the playoffs? I think Roden's got to have like a monster year. Uh, he was he had a 3.22 ERA last year, but was only eight and nine. So, um, if he gets a strong year from Roden, um, if Sambito kind of reverts to the year before when he was 2.98, um, you know, he's got some he's got there's some quality players here, and if he gets good seasons out of them. Um, you know, Nolan Ryan, that guy always scares me because uh, just the walk, you look at his whip, his whip is almost always like 1.5 or something like that. He's um, pretty high ERA. But uh, again, if Ryan has a solid year, Roden has a solid year, 
maybe they squeak in. But I agree with Lance. I see them more as kind of a fifth or sixth or seventh. Better than 500, but not quite in the playoffs. If this team has landed Holtzman, it would be a different story. And that's that's kind of scary because we're talking about a lot of teams that are one or two aces away, but there aren't that many. So who's going to who's gonna get these guys? <laughs> that's going to be the big story in the offseason, I think. Because Brooklyn is going to be at the top of this division before long, but not this year. One thing we should note about Brooklyn is, and this is something I just remembered from the uh, season summary of last year, This Brooklyn is, you know, we talk a lot about like solid defensive teams and solid up the middle and all this, but I think Brooklyn has been one of the most underrated defensive teams. And if you look at last year, they actually set a league record of fewest errors, 56 errors. Um, which is the fewest ever uh, for, for team errors. So, I mean, that's that's got to help the uh, that's got to help the, the the pitching numbers for sure. Can I just point out a few? Yeah, so a few things that point out here is um, so I think you're right to say that they had an awesome defense last year and that helped them. But you know, his shortstop is injured, right? So now he's starting Belanger, who's oh, who's good. I mean, he's a seven, so but he's not great. And he had also, um, sorry, Lance, what's the name of the second baseman you signed that we just discussed earlier? Dave Chalk, right? No. Oh, no, I, I just said Cash. Dave Cash, yeah. Yeah, so Dave Cash was the Brooklyn second baseman last year. Right. And so so there's your up the middle, your shortstop and your second base from last year are out. And in place of his second base, this is a really interesting gamble. He has this guy Cusick at second base. So, dude, Cusick is a gold glove first baseman. Right. <laughs> Rated a three at second base. Yeah. I like Cusick because I love guys with like the you know nine or ten eye, and he has a great eye. But again, if you just look at his his performance, you know last year, well he only had a hundred at bats. He had 110 plate appearances. He was a 3.10 OBP. So you hope he does better. But I mean, if you if you don't get good production from a guy at a key position who also sucks defensively, that's not good. So. Yeah, so, and, and again, just for some context, sorry, I just want to add some context for a second. So by pitching staff, I have Detroit and Brooklyn on the same number, okay? And by lineup, I have Brooklyn three points ahead of Detroit. And then the last thing to say is just that he, he again, he has two awesome pitching prospects in the minors, but he hasn't called up yet. But Sanderson and Barker are both, they're close and so if, if this isn't the year, or if he doesn't call him up this year, then next year, like Charlie's saying, then he's a going concern. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can't, you know, who knows what he's thinking with these two guys. Maybe they're just not significantly better than the guys he has right now. But, um, but they're two super prospects, and they're very close to being ready. Yeah, I don't know if this weighs in it at all and with the, the, the sort of game makes prediction as you were saying that you your numbers have Brooklyn and Detroit pretty close to each other and sort of in, in aggregate, but Brooklyn is a much friendlier pitching ballpark and Detroit is a much more offensive ballpark, which plays to in Detroit's hands as far as his offense, but also plays against his not particularly strong pitching staff. So maybe Brooklyn having just a much a friendlier ballpark for his pitchers is going to allow him to get more wins that Detroit is not going to be able to get and compete the way we think Brooklyn's going to be able to compete. I'll just jump in here. So one, I take issue with one thing that uh, Glenn said, Mike Schmidt. So Fred Lynn, the game does have 
Fredlane as the best center fielder. Uh, Glenn said Mike Schmidt is the best third baseman. The game actually has a few guys ahead of him. Bob Horner is one, Sal Bando, and Joe, and Joe Torrey, uh, which is, again is a great segue to our next team, which is Manhattan, because Joe Torrey will actually be playing third base this year, which is going to be super interesting with his wrecked knees, 38 years old, um, putting him in the hot corner. Uh, we'll see how hot it is with, with Torrey there. But, um, but that brings us to our next team, which is Manhattan, which the game has... Let's go to the to see the actual uh, win total here. Um, ninety-seven wins. Ninety-seven wins for so again, just like last year, Manhattan, where Boston and Manhattan were neck and neck, literally like within a game, a game and a half of each other the whole year long, and then um, and then Boston ended up winning the division. The game actually predicts Boston with ninety-eight, Manhattan with ninety-seven. The top two teams, not only in the East, but in the whole league. So. Uh, Charlie, let's start with you. Your thoughts on on Manhattan Gray Sox? Yeah, I think it's going to be. I, it, I'm I'm going with my gut right now. Basically, I don't think they're going to pull it off this year. I mean, yeah, they they look so awesome on paper, but it it feels like a house of cards in a sense. Where I I don't know. I don't know where this team is headed. He's he's like fighting to stay relevant, to stay on top. And even if Tory goes down, this is still a monster lineup. But I don't know. I feel like something is missing, and I cannot put my finger on it. Um, Which is yeah, unusual. Lineup, you know, yeah. yeah. So you usually <laughs> can put your finger on things. I've seen you do it. But my finger is everywhere. Yeah, you fingered so many things. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you get a season out of Tory you get the best player in the league. You have the two best players in the league, period. So it's hard to it's hard to argue with that. But like I said, it's just a gut feeling. I feel like something's going to break with this team. Well, so wait, just a question. Break enough that they don't make the top four, don't make the playoffs at all, or break enough that they don't win the division? I think it's going to be like last year where it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the last week and it's going to be, all right, it's do or die. Hmm. So I think it's going to come down to that. I don't think it's going to be competing with the team in, in the East, per se. I think it's going to be coming out of the West, but we'll get to those guys. Yeah, see, I, I remember last year we were talking about this team. And uh, uh, so last year he traded away Tom Grieve, right? And everyone mm-hmm. was like, oh, my gosh, he traded Tom Grieve. Their offense is going to – that's a huge offensive hit. Uh, and it was, in a sense, but remember, this team's this is a team that set the scoring record um, in 77. So they scored, yeah, their scoring went down last year. He went down from 5.3 to 4.9, right? But his run difference was still close to a run a game. Uh, he was still second in the league in scoring. And he was, talk about the ultimate inefficiency, he got 93 wins, which was one more than he needed to qualify for the playoffs. Right, because he beat out LA on the last day of the season, 93 wins, and then and then he goes and he takes the series again. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I I I don't know. I I I kind of hear what what Charlie's saying. Like at some point, like you know, you win year after year after year. Um, at some point, it's gotta come 
come to an end. But I don't see there. I don't. I'm looking at this team, and yeah, everyone's a year older, and he's got some older guys. But let's not forget, he, he, David Clyde is his mm-hmm. ace now, and the guy's 22 years old. So, you know, he's injecting some youth in some in some key spots. And I don't know. I I, I can't see how these. I can't see how Manhattan is not in the top two um, overall, along with Boston. I had them winning the East this year just based on the pickups that they made in free agency. But I also I will say that I'll, I'm going to call it like I did last year, which I think it's it's a it's going to be a toss up. It's going to come down to ultimately I think it may just come down to one player, which is whether or not Tory stays in the lineup or not. If Tory doesn't stay in the lineup, then I think Boston wins the East. Tory stays in the lineup and, and nothing else bad happens to Manhattan, then I think then I think uh, Manhattan in, wins the East. But it, it's I I do agree with Charlie that I think it may come down to a last week of the season thing, but I think it's going to be for who wins the division, not so much whether or not Manhattan makes it into the playoffs or not. Part of it might be wishful thinking because I'm I'm looking at adding some starters soon, <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping he starts tearing down and get get rid of Lefty and Captain America and all those guys. Get a take, take a shot at him, but well, you know, let's let's see what happens with Chicago during the season because if shit shit doesn't go right for me, you know, there might be some starting pitching to be had. So, Glennie, what about you? What do you take? What's your take on the Manhattan? I actually was where Charlie was at the end of last year. He barely made the playoffs, and I vehemently disagreed with the trade of Grieve for pitching. I would, I to me, go all in on offense. That's what you're best at theory of the best says just dominate one thing and he was the dominant offensive team he risked it and he still won and you'd say oh it was the most efficient he got one more win than he needed great but dude you left it so late to leave it to the last day to qualify is so goddamn risky but then in the offseason he addressed exactly those problems so now he has the gains from last year where he still has Clyde right right but then he went and he added Tory. He added Reggie Jackson, and and I don't know who. So, I just did a count really quick while we're sitting here. There are five players in the league that have nine power. He has two of them. There are five players in the league that have eight power. He has two of them, and he has two more guys with seven power. So to me, this team looks actually like not like the '78 team, but the '77 team when he smoked the league. And so to me, I. I I do not see that he doesn't have the best team by a mile. I mean, country mile. Let's uh, move on to the last team that's left, is at least as far as the in-game prediction goes, and that is uh, Boston, which the game has uh, winning the East and finishing with 98 wins. So basically, only yeah. I mean, it's it's a you know, it's it's a it's a hair it's a hair. Uh, uh, between what it what's going to happen according to the to the game uh, prediction as far as first and seconds, ninety eight wins for Boston, ninety seven for Manhattan. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. But the way you were talking, Glenn, it sounds like you feel like it's going to be Manhattan. Do you you do you not agree with the Boston well, finishing at first, or do you think you got a chance to to do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the game. I mean, so again, I, I didn't see the totals. And stuff. Right, based on your uh, your and numbers the, and based on yeah. your math that you do. Yeah, and, and so let's say the game shows us one game apart. That's fair. I mean, by ratings total, my ratings total is higher than his, but it's entirely again just like last year. My advantage comes from entirely from pitching. His lineup is radically, I mean, so much better than anybody else's. Uh, so. I mean, 
look, what am I going to do? He had Robinson, he had all, all of these studs, Petroselli and Gorman Thomas. I had to do something else to counteract that, so I went all in on pitching. And as a result, I do have, you know, by ratings count and by whatever game score, the, the best rotation. So so I, I think I should be competitive. Yeah, I think I should be in the playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, take Tory out of my lineup and put him in my number one competitor's lineup. Like, how does that not put him ahead of me, you know? So, I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe it'll be close again. Maybe you'll be a game apart again. But I mean... But who cares? It's the head-to-head matchup that matters and the short series that matters, right? If assuming we both get there, and and again, I give him an edge there. I mean, he clearly has an edge there. So, and and like a dummy, <laughs> I mean, just look at it this way: I just traded a first-round draft pick for a frigging first-base prospect. So my he has Joe Torre, right? And then in place of Joe Torre in my lineup, I'm using a guy who's six-two-six. I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. It's uh, again how you do the math, right? I mean, I'm with you in that I'm a I'm a, a lover of great pitching. So it's always been the, our argument that we've had is that the, the idea that pitching will get you to the playoffs is just what happens once you get there. So I, I think there's no argument that that Boston's in the playoffs, whether it's in in the one or two spot out of the East, is is maybe ultimately a moot point. So, but what about any other thoughts on Boston, Tim? You got any thoughts on Boston? Well, the thing that struck me, so when I put on the, on the clouds, you know, I do the top five by position and I do the, I did the top 10 relievers and then the top 20 starters. And I had to check this twice because it didn't look right. It looked like there was a glitch or something because it said number one starter, Boston, number two starter, Boston. This is in the league, you know, top 20 in the league, right? Number three starter, Boston. Right, so Wilson, Russell, Blylevin, um, and and that just doesn't seem fair, right? Like I don't know if we've seen. I think the last time we saw that was probably on another Glenn team. It's probably like the Conley Ford, um, yep. Antonelli, Conley, maybe. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Erska, that. Maybe Erska. What say? Conley Ford Burdett. Conley Ford Burdett, like Conley Ford Burdett. So basically, what we're seeing here is like the reincarnation of uh, Conley Ford Burdett, and just like those superbus teams from the '60s, you're pairing that with um, not just above-average offense, but like way above-average offense. So um, yeah, it's a scary, scary team. Um, it's going to be really interesting, and you know, it's it's not really fair to say that Manhattan is a is the hitting team. And Boston is a pitching team because they're both. I mean, look at them; they're both in the top four in in both. So, um, really exciting. It should be. I'm looking forward to seeing you know Boston and Manhattan like go, uh, you know, head to head, wire to wire all year. And then it'll be interesting to see you know what are the teams um, getting around them, you know, for for, uh, for supremacy in the league. And I, and I and I like the way the league is structured with. You've got the division title races, but then you've got the whole race for the wild card and also like the best the best record overall. Um, so I don't know it, it's going to be really exciting. I, I think it's literally a toss up between these two teams. It's going to come down to it could come down to injuries. It could could come down to like what which team has the breakout player, right? Like what like what's Rance Mullenix going to do this year? Um, how will Joe Hag do at first base, right? Um, so there's some, there's, uh, 
there's not much to choose between these two teams. It's going to be a really exciting season. Yeah, agreed. All right, any other thoughts on the East before we uh, put a bow on this thing? I just I want to say I don't think anyone's going to get to 98 this year. I feel like there's too much. If you look at every team in the East, got better. Couple not by much, but every team got better. And so, yeah, Boston and Manhattan are, the, are clearly the class right now, but I think it's going to be a little tougher, and uh, there are going to be some teams that surprise. Okay. All right. Well, with that thought, uh, that will wrap up uh, this preview for 1979 for the East Division. Um, we will have a second podcast where we will look at the West, which will be uh, hot on the tails of this one. Uh, until then, as we like to say, here is to fake baseball. Yeah.